0: Denver Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett reflected on the fourth down decision to kick a 64-yard field goal in Monday's loss to the Seahawks and said he would probably redo it and go for it on fourth down. We talk about his growth as a coach and what he can continue to do. Plus, Patrick Sertan's elite-level play against DK Metcalf. We're going to shut down some narratives that we've seen so far on social media. Plus, the Broncos have dropped several spots in the Locked On Network's power rankings. Do we agree with the spot? You get that and much more on today's brand new episode, Lock Locked Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos. Your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What's up Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in and making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. Every single day, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button down below on your favorite audio podcasting platform, or whether you watch us on YouTube from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos beat reporter with Mile High Sports, joined alongside by my co-host, Sarah Bender, site expert predominantly orange.com. Uh, you know 48 hours after the Broncos loss you know sometimes I think the outlook gets a little bit better here Sarah for this Broncos football team we had a chance to meet with Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett the day following the Broncos loss to the Seattle Seahawks and he was very open about what he was able to see on film and maybe what he would have done differently and acknowledged some things I can't wait to break that down and you know even looking at Patrick Sertan's elite level play we got a
1: jam-packed episode on today's lockdown Broncos That's right. That's right. You know, we talked after the game, you know, in our post game recap, we kind of talked like all these good things from the game. Can they get drowned out a little bit, right? Because you lost the game. So not everybody really cares about all the good things that happened in the moment. We want to talk about why things went bad. But, of course, there are some good things to talk about, and we will talk about that. But first, Cody, I think we have to address, and Nathaniel Hackett, it was the first thing that he had to address as well, at his press conference on on Tuesday and he had to talk about he had to face the music right of hey why did you do that why did you approach that situation how you did at the end of the game and he said looking back on it his word was i would definitely go for it on fourth down and and it i think a lot of people maybe thought well that's not really good enough because he followed that up with kind of an explanation of the situation or he was kind of justifying it by saying of course in hindsight knowing that we didn't make the field goal i would go for it but to me Cody I feel like this is a tremendous sign of, of growth for Nathaniel Hackett, just going back and looking at a situation. And remember, after the game, he, he talked about the fact that he did what he felt was right in the situation. The Broncos had a plan. He outlined that plan, and they executed that plan almost exactly as they kind of had hoped it would go, at least at, in terms of maybe they probably wanted to get a little bit further up the field than they actually did. But that was kind of the minimum spot. Of where they wanted to get so Cody I don't know what do fans really want to hear do they want to hear him double down on you know hey I feel like we did the right thing and I would do it again or do they want him to say no I would have actually gone for it if I could go back and do it again doesn't seem like a lot of the fans that I have on Twitter right now are going to be happy with Nathaniel Hackett no matter what he says because of the outcome of the game <laughs> but you know that's kind of just how it is isn't it
0: yeah I mean that's the life of being a coach and, and you know I think it's easier for everyone to coach from their couch especially if they've never coach the sport of football. Like when you're on the field, you have a multitude of things running through your head, right? It's loud, the environment's loud. You have to make sure you have the right personnel on the field. And I thought that, you know, what based on him explaining their plan initially, he explained it and it made sense based on what happened. Like what you know in terms of letting the clock run down, not calling a timeout was his reasoning was we wanted to get as far downfield as we could to set up a, a field goal to potentially win the game and not give the Seattle Seahawks time to drive down the field and maybe win the game with a field goal of their own. They want wanted to leave not a lot of time left in a situation if they made the field goal, but they didn't make the field goal. So I think for him to say, you know what? being able to go back and watch the film because post game you know what you're not gonna know necessarily you got to go back and watch the film as a coach that's what he did on the plane ride back home the Broncos got in around 3 a.m I got in around 6 a.m to Denver from Seattle it was a grueling trip very tiring but you know what the show goes on here locked on Broncos but I think that for Nathaniel Hackett acknowledging it and coming out and saying you know what probably in hindsight, I would have gone for it on fourth down. And I also think it gave a little bit of an insight into the future. If the Broncos ever find themselves in a similar situation, fourth, I don't even say like maybe up to fourth and 10, I think that they would go for it with Russell Wilson. Now, if it was fourth and 15 and they had to kick a field goal, I don't know if they would necessarily go for it with Russell Wilson at that point because then the defense would just be playing back. I think fourth and 10 and a little bit shorter, I think yes. I think going forward definitely we'll probably see something different from Nathaniel Hackett, but I don't know what Broncos country wants from him. Like he acknowledged that, you know what? Hey, I probably should have done this. This is why I did what I did. I'm going to learn from it. And that's one thing that he acknowledged he's going to learn from it. Now he has to carry that over into other games here. And now a short turnaround with the uh, Houston Texans coming to town as well. But you know, outside of the Nathaniel Hackett thing in terms of the Broncos offense, they're going to be without a key offensive player on the O-line for at least four weeks with Quinn Miners being out with a hamstring injury This is definitely a big blow for the Broncos, but you know what? This is exactly why you have Graham Glasgow on the roster.
1: It is. And it's exactly why I'm anticipating Natani Muti is going to be one of their protected players on the practice squad this week, because you obviously want to have as much depth as possible. It's going to be fascinating to see kind of how they shuffle things if and when Billy Turner is back, Cody, because Cam Fleming was the starter at right tackle in this game. But also he's started in the past at guard. So he's got experience at a variety of different positions. Actually, both Fleming and Billy Turner have that starting experience at both spots. So while the Broncos kind of To look at Cam Fleming, he had some success against the run. Very, you know, and I don't want to be rude to the guy. It wasn't great against the pass. Let's just put it that way. He let a couple guys buy him at times. uchenna Nuo, so you and I talked about this after the game. He had an amazing game, and a lot of that was at the expense of Fleming. So, certainly, maybe uh, that's an opportunity there, but exactly what you said Graham Glasgow is on the roster for this reason. Unfortunately, uh, we heard Nathaniel Hackett talk about that fumble that Javante Williams had. It was kind of a miscommunication, uh, a little bit of you know him not getting the play indirectly, and then Russell Wilson wanting to audible at the line of scrimmage, guys not knowing exactly what they're supposed to do. And then you and I talked about also if Graham Glasgow gets a block on Cody Barton there, maybe something different happens there in that fourth quarter situation. So, of course, you, we're not pinning the game on Graham Glasgow, no. but I think definitely an opportunity for him to kind of come in and show, hey, I I can be uh, that that Pro Bowl caliber guard that you guys signed a few years back and somebody that you can rely on. Quinn Miners, I mean it was only 18 snaps I think I read, Cody, but man, he was looking pretty darn good out there (sighs) in the plays that he did get to play. So really a big blow to the Broncos offensive line. Quinn Miners might be their best offensive lineman, believe it or not, so I think definitely that's a huge blow for the next four weeks.
0: that puts the timetable around the return for maybe Monday night football against the Los Angeles Chargers, the Broncos' second AFC West Divisional game to start off the season. Obviously a couple weeks with the Las Vegas Raiders, he'll probably be out for that. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. Sarah and I, we're going to highlight Patrick Sertan and all the love and recognition he's been getting after a very impressive Monday night football showdown with DK Metcalf. We talk about it. We shut down some narratives that we also saw as well coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about LinkedIn, the sponsor of today's episode, Locked on Broncos. And as you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors and LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. Once again, that's LinkedIn.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Patrick Sertan put on a clinic on Monday Night Football, a tough and must-see pay-per-view showdown with D.K. Metcalf. We talk about the battle between these two. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. just want to say thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in and making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day on your favorite audio podcasting platform or whether you watch us on YouTube. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country. We appreciate all the interaction. Make sure you drop some comments down below to share your thoughts on this episode as well. But let's talk about Pat so Tan. Now, I think initially we were coming into this matchup initially on Monday Night Football, and we were saying to ourselves, hey, PS2 has a great opportunity here against DK Metcalf. You go on primetime television, a national stage, which, you know, was the, the Broncos Seahawks game was the most watched Monday Night Football game since 2009. And it was also the most watched first Monday Night Football game of week one since 2006. 19.25 million people Tuned in for Russ's return to Seattle. Unfortunately, it didn't go the Broncos way, but you know what? You know who shined? Patrick Sertan. He follow DK Metcalf everywhere for the most part played press coverage against him now there's some narratives going on out there I'm seeing on social media oh Pat Sertan you know he got abused by DK Metcalf what are we looking at here to determine that the fact that DK had seven targets seven catches but here's the statistic 36 total yards receiving you know what that means especially against a guy like DK Metcalf you eliminated the big explosive plays the only catch that he had that think it was long I think it was like 14 15 yards one of those two Patrick Sertan did his job and he was getting praise from some pretty damn good players not named champ Bailey at the cornerback position he
1: was I mean Richard Sherman even who I I think this all of the <laughs> biggest Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks you know <laughs> Yeah, the biggest, the biggest of them all. All of the Seahawks players, from you know old and new, have, were sounding off on Twitter against the Broncos, against Russell Wilson, before, during, and after this game. But Richard Sherman, he was complimenting Pat Sertan, Darius Slay, Asante Samuel, Cody, and not Asante Samuel Jr., the Chargers corner, but his old man, his dad, who used to play in the league for a really long time. And I had to go back and look. I was just like, man, like that's really high praise from Asante Samuel. I hope he actually said something about his own kid. During the Chargers game against the Raiders, as well, and he actually did. So, uh, but man, it was cool to see that kind of stuff. It's cool to see people that aren't affiliated with the Broncos whatsoever watching the game. And we know everybody was watching this game. We saw, we got to literally see Peyton Manning watching the game. We heard Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show kind of breaking down the end-of-game situation. Everybody was watching this game. So it's cool to hear those numbers that you just talked about. But the numbers that we're talking about here, 36 yards on seven catches, that's pretty crazy. What that says to me, Cody, is that the Seahawks were scheming DK Metcalf touches, which is exactly what they should do. He's their best offensive player. So scheming him touches, getting him seven targets and him getting the ball seven times out of seven. It's insane that he had only 36 yards and 15 of those came on one play, like you mentioned, where Pat Sertan was all over him. I mean, it it could have easily been an incomplete pass if the ball wasn't two feet above D.K. Metcalf's head when it got to him. So it was certainly a dominant performance from Pat Sertan to have defensive backs watching the game and just calling out Sertan for how good he's doing in his press coverage and things that he's doing just in general out there, just looking like a seasoned vet. People saying, this guy's going to have a great career. I mean, that's high praise for arguably maybe the Broncos' best player, right? I mean, Russell Wilson, obviously, Justin Simmons. But Pat Sertan is that dude, Cody. He is. Really, really good. And there was certain like just nuance to the game for him that to me, like one of the most significant plays was do you remember the screen play that the Seahawks tried to run to DK Metcalf? And Passer Tan was right there. He actually ended up missing the tackle, but it forced DK Metcalf to try to go back inside. And he ended up getting tackled way back. I mean, Seven, eight yards behind the line of scrimmage by, I believe it was Darren Browning. So, I I mean, man, that that play was created by Pat Sertan. Uh, Although you don't like to see necessarily missed tackles, he was working against, like, trying to find his way inside a block. So it wasn't like he missed a wide open tackle. He got his hands on DK. DK had to cut back inside. It was just a a tremendous, tremendous performance, especially considering that over a third of his yards came on one catch. Uh, So six catches for... What is that? Um, quick math, Cody. I mean, 21 yards besides that 15 yard play. That's insane.
0: Yeah, that's efficient football there. And now, you know, coming into week two of the NFL season, Patrick Sertan more than likely is going to match up on Brandon Cooks, who's got some speed element to him. Sertan also has some pretty good speed to him as well. I'm excited for this. I can't wait to see his legend continue to rise here in year number two, not even mention even like big play Slay cornerback, you know, Darius Slay giving him a lot of love saying that he's the best man-to-man technique press corner in the game with his fundamentals, which is high praise. He says, I know he's a year two guy, but this guy is an absolute baller. Absolute respect here to Patrick Sertan. And I guarantee you, there's probably... You know, I think the Packers. I, there were a lot of Packers fans that when I tweeted out what PS Two was able to do, they're like, "Oh, it must be nice to put your best corner on the best receiver." And they they threw shade at like the Green Bay Packers for not placing Jair Alexander on Justin Jefferson in Week One. But man, I tell you what, very good performance. Can't wait to see him continue to rise and keep growing and see what he can maybe accomplish. Will he get targeted by opposing quarterbacks this season? I think it's going to be a huge, huge test. It's going to be things that maybe. Patrick Sertan will make them pay for. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. Sarah Benger and myself are going to break down the latest Locked On NFL power rankings released after Monday night football. The Broncos drop a couple of spots. We take a look at where Denver lies, who's ahead of them, and some other notable moves on the Locked On NFL power rankings. We get to that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about BetOnline.net, the sponsor of today's episode, Locked On Broncos. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season you can find all the latest football league developments game matchups news and podcasts including this year's opening week's games bet online is also your continuous source for all your sports wagering information including live betting esports and scores the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mlb mma boxing and golf so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts the Denver Broncos dropped several spots in the latest Locked On NFL Power Rankings. How does this impact maybe the outlook and the perception of this Broncos football team after a 17-16 to 16 season opening loss on the road to the Seattle Seahawks? Thank you so much, Broncos Country, for tuning in, making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. Every single day, Sarah Bettinger and myself, we have you covered with all the daily Denver Broncos news, content coverage, and more that you need. So make sure you chime in down below here on YouTube. You can always tweet us on Twitter at at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked On Broncos. We appreciate everybody in Broncos Country. The Broncos dropped several spots in the Locked On Power Ranking, Sarah as released by the network following. Monday Night Football initially released on Tuesday. The Broncos last week, pre-week one, were number nine. After the loss to the Seattle Seahawks, they dropped to 13th. Is this a fair move in your opinion? I personally believe that this is a pretty fair spot for Denver to drop, considering the rest of the landscape around the National Football League and the future outlook of some of these
1: teams. I think it is fair, Cody, because you look at the Broncos were ranked ninth coming into this week and the Seahawks were ranked 27th. Right. So, I mean, if you're the ninth team losing the 27th team, like if we're talking like college football, if we're kind of equating it to that, you're going to fall at least a, a handful of spots. So, man, I think for the Denver Broncos to still be ranked 13th and to still be the third team out of four in the AFC West is pretty nice. What I don't like to see even more than the drop, Cody, or almost as much as the drop. Is the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs are ranked number two in these power rankings? The Los Angeles Chargers are ranked number four. Obviously, the folks that locked on who make these rankings were really, really impressed with those two AFC West teams. The Chargers—they they kind of almost had a little fourth quarter collapse against the Raiders. So I'm not so I, I'm not 100% sold on the Chargers yet, Cody. But I think all of us I, I, we can agree. Going into the season, we said the Kansas City Chiefs are the kings of the AFC West until proven otherwise. Does it look like anybody's going to be proving that otherwise anytime soon? I guess maybe we'll get to find out on Thursday Night Football a little uh. bit. But certainly to me, I think that the, the AFC West with four teams in the top 14 of these rankings, that's pretty accurately reflected, I think, on the ability of these teams. But the Broncos dropping four spots. I think it's fair.
0: Well, and, you know, for the Seattle Seahawks, they were originally 27th to start off. They jumped all the way up to 22nd. Good start for them. Interesting to see former Broncos Shelby Harris postgame comments about that. He kind of pulled like a Richard Sherman promo. I felt like I was watching a WWE thing, but, you know, happy for Shelby Harris. Great dude. Uh, you know, unfortunately, and going back to it as well, it's not like the Broncos wanted to trade him. I mean, that was something George Payton was truly torn up about. He was really bummed, but this was the only thing the Seahawks were going to do in order to trade Russell Wilson to Denver, Shelby Harris had to be included in that package and you know wish Shelby the best absolutely but this week the Broncos take on the number 29th ranked Houston Texans in week 2 at Empower Field at Mile High, 2.25 p.m. Mountain Time Kickoff. We'll have all the coverage here. Afterwards, the Lockdown Broncos postgame report. Big week ahead. I know we have a Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Texans crossover show coming up this week here on the channel and also for the podcast as well for everyone that's listening on their favorite audio podcasting platform. Your quick thoughts on the Texans coming to town as we jump into Texans mode for the rest of the week.
1: Well, somebody better cover my guy, O.J. Howard. Right, Cody? (laughs) I mean, my goodness. How many times has this guy I have to get let go. Uh, He obviously had a big game in week one for the Houston Texans coming in as a basically just like, just learn the offense, just, Getting the terminology down, he scores two touchdowns for them. Uh, And the Broncos obviously gave up two touchdowns to tight ends in week one, so somebody better be covering O.J. Howard out there or he's going to sneak by you. Davis Mills, Cody, I like. I, I like his progress that he's shown. I think the Texans showed some really nice fortitude being able to take the Indianapolis Colts all the way down to basically five quarters, a full overtime period, ending in a tie Brandon Cooks, like you mentioned, him versus Pat sertan that's must-see TV. I'm excited to see how the Broncos defend against Damian Pierce. I mean, that's the, the big breakout rookie that everybody's expecting for Houston. He had a rough week in week one against the Colts, so I hope that it's not a bounce-back week for him in week two against the Denver Broncos. But I think the Broncos, Cody, they're going to come out with a big chip on their shoulder in this game after losing to Seattle by one point on the road.
0: I mean, outside of O.J. Howard, outside of Brandon Cooks, you also have to account for Rex Burkhead, I think, who had eight targets as a receiver out of the backfield. And obviously, Davis Mills, there's been a lot of hype around him. And like I said, I was a little impressed with him last season, especially in the red zone. So we'll see if the Broncos can short things up and and maybe avoid the the penalties more than likely. That's one thing I know we're looking for. Can they avoid the penalties? Can they avoid the self-inflicted mistakes? This is a good Broncos football team, but they have to get out of their own way. And I'm excited to see if they can do that. Here week two against the Houston Texans because pressure's on a little bit. If you lose to the Texans, I I can't imagine what our YouTube comment section is going to be like. I can't imagine what social media is going to be like. Heck, I wanted to get off social media after the Seahawks game just because it's so high. It's so low at the same time. It's just wild. But you know what? This is what we do. We cover the team. We, we interact with the fans. It can be exhausting sometimes when it's overly negative. We always try to be like a voice of reason, level-headed, not too high, not too low, just kind of in the middle, looking at everything from an objective point of view. I feel like we do a pretty good job of that, Sarah, my man. So I'm grateful to be on this journey with you every single day. But also, more importantly, grateful that you and I get to share this journey with everybody in Broncos country. They're a big reason for this show and its success. So thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in to today's episode, Lockdown Broncos free and available everywhere you get your podcast and your favorite audio podcasting platform or whether you're watching us on youtube make sure you comment hit the like button for the algorithm and more sarah bedinger and myself we'll be back tomorrow for a brand new episode locked on broncos